On today's Stuncast, we review The Trouble with Tribbles. The USS Enterprise is heading to Deep Space Station K7, which is near Klingon Space. The crew gets an emergency Code 1 alert from K7, so the ship goes there faster. As Kirk and Spock arrive, they find uppity bureaucrat and Federation undersecretary Niels Barris and his seemingly unimportant aide, Arne Darvin. Barris is worried about the security of a shipment of high-yield grain quadro-triptychale, and he thinks the Klingons might be trying to sabotage the food source. But Klingons aren't the only trouble. Ohura buys an adorable pet known as a Tribble from a shady merchant. These bisexual furballs begin to breed out of control and soon overrun the Enterprise and K-7. Will Kirk take his job of guarding the grain seriously? What are those tricksy Klingons up to? Is this the best episode of Star Trek ever? Find out on set podcast to stun! Hello, feeble-minded humans, and welcome to Set Podcast to Stun, the podcast where we explore, explain, and enjoy the Star Trek franchise. Cat fact. Facts about cats. I'm Clint the Q, joined <laughs> by Chancellor Emily Gowron. Meow. And Captain Corey. Meow. How many hearts does a cat have? As many as is necessary to win you over. That's right. I have no idea. They don't have cat. They don't have hearts. They just have um, a tiny rock which can communicate with Satan. Mm, nice. I've I been. Know that about cats. I have a cat fact for you guys. I've been. Um, <clears throat> turns out very stuffed up for the last two years, and it turns out I have had really bad allergies. But I just didn't know it. I just thought everyone kind of lived like I did. <laughs> it turns out it's the cats that are in my house. So. Oh no. Gonna, we have to make some pretty big decisions. About oh, just just don't let the cat sleep on your bed. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't really have a choice in that, do I? <laughs> the friend, the friend of the podcast, Clarky Hollywood. He has he he's allergic to cats, and he takes medication for it. Oh yeah, it's super easy. I am not gonna pop a goddamn Claritin every single day for the rest of my life. Okay, that's not gonna happen. Well, you could always incinerate your cats or slowly poison them. Like yeah. slowly, poison- yeah. Yeah, yeah no, we're, we we're in talk. Shoot them into space, but you can't shoot them into space. That's inhumane and expensive. Did you guys know they? There's this new scientific discovery that actually we can transport objects into cats. Like the cats are the medium. So in honor of today's episode, I actually teleported you guys um, some replicas of triples. Oh, yeah, and your cats will be delivering those to you. I don't. I don't see it. I'm looking around my office. Is this is this any different than the summer? One of my cats continuously brought me live mice into the house. Yes. No. It'll be. They'll just cough cough up the tribbles for you guys, and mm. I just want you guys to keep them up on a shelf or are, something like that. Are they going to be like skinny, dead, wet tribbles? Because in that case, mm-hmm. my cats have been coughing those up for years. Exactly. Yeah. So any sort of like ball of fur that your cat coughs up from now on is actually me sending you tribbles did you, you shoot tribble? know, 
Did you put one inside it's me, pretty Clint? collectible. I'll, I think I should mail that to you, Clint. <laughs> you didn't, did you? What would you say, Corey? Did you put one inside me? Yeah, you're allergic to the triple that what it, what Clint's is, been placing what is that inside on of my you desk? all this time. <laughs> all right, well, uh, <clears throat> what's next? <laughs> so with that, let's uh, get into today, to today's episode, which is The Trouble with Tribbles. The most famous, I would say, Star Trek episode ever. Yeah, it's a classic. I went yeah. in prepared to hate it, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Coming on, coming in hot. I loved it. It was a great episode. So it first premiered December 29th, 1967. It was written by David Gerald and directed by Joseph Pivney. Yeah, our good friend. Yeah. This is uh, David's first script. It was the first script he's ever sold. I don't know ever sold, was, but. Wasn't he, Um, I thought he wrote a bunch, but this is the first one he sold. Yeah. I mean, maybe he might have like written an episode and it was later picked up, you know, like because mm. these these are kind of in a weird mixed up order. Mm. Well, yeah. he okay. did a really good job on this one. Well, uh, actually, oh it was heavily rewritten, according to my sources. Who is your sources? The Memory Alpha wiki page. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, reportedly Gene L. Kuhn did a lot of rewrites on it. It was originally titled A Fuzzy Thing Happened to Me, Ellipses. That's pretty good. Yeah. I have been reading something. I've been learning a thing. I've been <gasps> learning some hot goss. I oh know. Oh, my God. When did you learn how to read? <laughs> I know. I know. That's shocking. A few episodes back, we were like, what does a producer even do? And we were talking about, like, blah, blah, blah. What does a producer do? And a producer is basically like the boss's boss. So like if you think about every like section has their manager and then like the manager of the managers. Mm -hmm. Well, Clint, you've been calling you've been calling our uh, editor Kurt a producer. So did you just kind of propel him to the top of the ladder? Have I actually said that? I mean, he like I feel like it's a different term in the podcasting world, like a producer, they like produce the episode. Well, you can be a like sound producer, editor. but like when you yeah. say like a producer of like a TV show or a movie, that's like a different thing. Yeah. I always thought the producer was like the person who kind of like took care. They had a, they were the highest kind of person, like yeah. you said, but they also just like take care of all the random things that pop up. I yeah. always thought yeah. it was when an uncle makes out with his niece and nephew. What? <laughs> What show did you think you were on? What, 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 it's the Joker. producers. Oh, oh gosh. Don't you it's mean the aristocrats? Yeah, it's the aristocrats. Oh, no. <laughs> I messed it up. Take that out, Kurt. <laughs> Leave it in, Kurt. No, the setup for all of this is that Gene L. Kuhn was so in the early Star Trek productions. Roddenberry was doing like so much that he basically was like overworking himself to death and they hired. So he became the executive producer as like boss of all the bosses. And then he hired Gene L. Kuhn and Gene L. Kuhn, according to my sources, became very famous for um, a lot of the like what you think of as like the Star Trek hallmarks. Like he came up with the Klingons, um, the Prime Directive, the Organian Peace Treaty, the friendship between Bones, Kirk, and Spock is all him. Oh, interesting. And like a lot of the humor that we've been kind of responding to and like the warmth and things like that was 
coming from Kuhn's rewrite. That that makes a lot of sense to me. I could see mm-hmm. as Gene Roddenberry, he's more like the philosophical leader of Star Trek, and he's like the visionary. But I could see Gene L. Kuhn, someone who has a little bit different sensibilities coming in there and polishing things up and adding in those really nice touches. So it was a cool bit of truth. Yeah. And so apparently uh, Roddenberry was very into like the message episodes. Mm -hmm. And then Coons was much more into like the fun sort of humor character driven ones. And so this middle bit towards like the end of the first season beginning of the second season where we really liked a lot of those episodes that's where the two of them are i I think are really bouncing off each other well it's like i have two dads but i don't know whose house i want to stay at on the weekend (laughs) (laughs) yep that's right we'll talk a little bit more about to how roddenberry reacted to this episode but that was also like a rift between Roddenberry and Kuhn, I believe, is that they had kind of different visions of what they thought Star Trek should be or what episodes should be. And it kind of, I think it led to a rift and Gene eventually leaving the episode or the show. Kuhn, yeah. Well, I just want to say ahead of time, I'm on Team Rod here because I thought this episode went a little bit too heavy on the gravy, the silly gravy that is. <laughs> Ooh, I love this episode. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. But, but right before, I just want to say one thing, too. The thing I like about this episode is the way they pronounce Klingons. And they pronounce it like Klingons. Klingons? Yeah, yeah I noticed go- that, too. Klingons? Yeah, the Klingons. I feel like that is an old-timey way of saying it. Bones we- also got super uh, Southern when he was saying virus. He was like, virus. <laughs> Klingons. They also but speak I- Klingonese. Yes, Klingonese. Klingonese. Everyone will be speaking Klingonese soon. But I can imagine in the TNG era, there's like an old Southern man on Earth who still refers to them as Klingons. He's Klingons? Like, yeah, it's like, those darn Klingons, you can't trust them. Grandpa. Grandpa. You're not supposed to call them Stop. that. Stop. All right. Well, let's jump into, let's jump into this. Hey, I got a question. Yeah. Did you guys Answer. notice? Kirk's voice. Well, that was really loud. Uh, did you notice Kirk's voice was really quiet during the intro to this episode? During oh, when the they were in the opening credits. What when he did this? This these are the. I always skip the the intro. Oh. Yeah, you skip that song. Yeah, the song. Great man. Uh... Yeah, no, I skip it. Okay, well, he was really quiet. Take my word for it. <laughs> well, I did say that you know it's going to be a wild episode when it opens with Kirk wearing his V-neck. Like if it's just V-neck right out of the gate, you know mm-hmm. shit's going to go down. There's going to be trouble, and it's going to be this time with tribbles. There's going to be tribbles, <laughs> and this time with trouble. Okay, so this episode is like stupid simple. Like there's yeah. not really much of a plot there. Um, but so I just want to like set up just the start here where they're they're at a briefing. It's uh, Spock, Kirk, and a helmsman <laughs> for yeah. some reason. Check off. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Like, why is he there? They did this sometimes in TNG where, like, Geordi would be at a briefing about, like, a pl- the planet's culture, and Geordi would have something to say, like, oh, yeah, the Talisians are very honorable people. Like, how the fuck do you know that, Geordi? And why are you here? You're an engineer. Well, I would think that it wasn't, it's not like rank or area specific. It was like a senior meeting between yeah, people. Yeah, or, or like whoever is on duty in that, like whoever is on bridge duty, that uh, rotation, when you have the meeting, you have to go to the meeting. 
Mm-hmm. That's what I just always assumed. Walter just knew quite a lot about uh, the treaty that they were uh, discussing here. So good job for our helmsman. They were also asking about distance and how close they were to Klingon space or Klingon Klingon space. space. (laughs) So he's the navigator. So it might, you know, that might pertain to his job. Okay. I do. I do like the joke that he makes that we can smell him a parsec away. And then Spock chimes in. He's like, it's very illogical. And then Chekhov says, oh, it's just a little joke. And then Spock goes, very, very little joke. <laughs> seems to really chafe Chekhov. By that, he can smell the Klingons, right? Yeah. The yeah. Klingon. But I don't know if, if Spock was, you know, uh, diminutizing his manhood, you know, wink, wink with that little joke thing. So, Oh, Chekhov gets oh. plenty of jokes in this episode. Mm-hmm. So don't feel too bad for him. Yeah. He really gets his zingers in. Yeah. They're, why? Where are they going? They're going on. They, I, they go somewhere. They're, they're going to Sherman's planet because someone they're going like, somewhere set off a distress call. There's they're like, we're going to go see who can develop the planet most efficiently and whoever can develop it most efficiently gets the planet. And I'm like, cool. Isn't that what you did to Africa? That was not great. <laughs> um, And then they get a distress call. So they can't go to the imperialist dividing up of a sovereign planet. Oh, okay. Okay. But they so they're going to this deep space station K7, mm-hmm. which looks freaking ugly on the CGI. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, mm-hmm. it looked horrible. Oh, I just want to circle back though. We're talking about who could develop the planet the best. That was according to the Organian Peace Treaty, right? So it was cool to see some continuity yeah. in this episode. By uh created by Gene Kuhn. Mhm. And then we get a Distress call, a code one alert. This isn't the code to blow up the planet. It's coming here immediately. Not yet. Yeah. So they speed over to the space station and they have nothing's wrong except we have a, an uppity like grain minister. I forget what this guy. He's a he's an undersecretary, I guess. Nils Barris is his name. Yeah, they're like uh, this. I didn't notice that was so similar to Nils Bors. Hmm. They're all like uh, agriculture people, and they had um, they had sent a distress call because of I forgot why did they even push that button? Niels is tripping about the grain, the quadro triptocaline. Triptocaline, yeah, yeah, quadro triptocaline. Quadro triptocaline. Yeah, the tripto- It's a it's a variant of triptocaline. Right, as we all know, which yeah. is just a super tasty, delightful grain, but this mm-hmm. is even better. It's yeah, it's a it's delicious. Everyone loves uh, this it's grain. It's hearty. Yeah. How could you not be into it? People go crazy for this grain. But they're worried that it's like uh, there's a security risk around it that it could be damaged. So they push the the uh distress button to bring the enterprise in to watch over it. They're like we need like a full fucking like guard on it all the time because these Klingons are going to come and like eat all the shit out of our grain, like little mice. No, he he wasn't worried about them eating it. He was worried about them sabotaging it. That's right. They're going to sabotage it like little mice. Sabotage. 
but they're they're dicks to the enterprise crew why are, why are these like agricultural ministers like so disrespectful to kirk they bring him in on a distress call he gets there he's like you brought me in on a distress call to watch your grain and then one guy's like that's the undersecretary to the department of agriculture you show him some respect <laughs> See, it's a, it's another bureaucrat who's just high on his own farts, and this is what Kirk hates. Yeah. He hates bureaucrats, and you know he's all up his own butt about how great this this grain is, this wheat. <laughs> I love how uh, Kirk just can't comprehend. Like it's just wheat. What's the big deal? It's also like the ensign who called the distress call is an ensign who's like ninety years old, like. Shouldn't you be further along in your Starfleet career? Who are you talking about? The like Arne uh, Davin guy or the guy? Yeah, who's... the guy who was like, "That's the Undersecretary of Agriculture." Mm-hmm. He's like, he's literally an ensign, and he's a very old man. Yeah, well, there's the Undersecretary who's kind who's of the, the jerk. one who's like, uh, "Excuse me, uh, this is super triptychaline." Mm-hmm. And then he has an assistant triptychaline. And then there's a station manager named Lurie. But he doesn't really play much of a part in the episode. I just want to comment, though. I've never seen Kirk hate anyone more. Anyone. Just he instantly hated this guy. I think it was it was one because he kind of did a false alarm where he's like, this isn't that big a deal. But I think he hated this guy more than he hated the fart that killed his crew previously. (laughs) The one that he was obsessed with. You know, he does. He just goes, Kirk out. And I wrote, he is so pissed at having to talk to an ensign who doesn't even have an exciting disaster. Like, he's just like, are you kidding me? He's super sassy and shitty about it. Yeah. I also like the part where we're going to call him Barris because that's his last name. But Barris is like, oh, you wouldn't know about this quadro trip to Kaylee. Uh, oh, or or Spock. Spock. Yeah. And then Spock just Vulcan explains it to him. And totally owns him. Oh, you mean this variation of this wheat with <laughs> this kind of la da la la da da yada yada yada? And he's That's... like, okay, obviously you do know it. Ugh. Spock is on fire this entire episode. I love it. He is hilarious. He's getting his zingers in there. As we say on this podcast, sass is not an emotion. Mm-hmm. And he is he is full of the sass. Mm-hmm. Chatner is uh, looking, he looks kind of hungover this whole episode too, which I think just uh heightens the sass like shatner is hungover and so (laughs) kirk is extra sassy kirk is such a jerk this whole episode i know that barris is an asshole and a little bit uppity about his quadro trip to kayleen but i i definitely think he was not he was not giving this assignment his his full effort he was like oh we'll just put two people on it who cares storage compartments storage compartments I don't get it. It's just wheat. Does everyone know about this wheat? Anyway, well, luckily at this space station, there's a bar. Mm -hmm. With ladies with very scantily clad bar uniforms. Did you see that? It was like 100% they're wearing fairy wings, like Halloween fairy wings. You just sort of slip your arms into and wear on your back. And then their butt cheeks are hanging out. I think you only see that once, though. Yeah, one time there's butt cheeks, and then the other time she's wearing, like, leggings. Mm-hmm. I want to also bring up the episode uh, Trials and Tribulations, which is a DS9 episode that goes back in time, and the DS9 
people are like in the background of this whole episode. So in that episode, you get to see that woman. I mean, it's a different woman, but she's in that same outfit serving drinks to the the DS9 crew. Oh, really? They recreate it? Mm -hmm. You didn't you didn't see it when you were going through DS9? I we might have we skipped a lot. I might have skipped this. This makes no sense. Like I'm looking at the images of this now. And I, yeah, I don't remember. You posted a meme from that episode. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't realize that was Jadzia. I like sent it and I was like, I don't remember that. And now I'm like, what's going on? You anyway. should really, you should go back and watch that episode. I think you would love it, Emily. Okay. I'm giving you homework. Uh, and I will button you if you don't get it done. Oh. We've, we've brought that back from the... From the, the alternate, mirror universe? Yeah, from the mirror universe when, when Corey was over there. Okay, do you guys want to talk about like what happens in this episode plot-wise? Like, yeah. Wh- they, yeah, they go to a bar. Well, so the whole thing revolves around one, dis- one woman's decision, and that's Ahura's decision to go on shore leave and go shopping. Because now that the Enterprise has to play security detail to this grain, yes, that is what the episode is centered on, is that mm-hmm. <laughs> this watching grain. She's like, okay, well, I'm going to go down and do some shopping. This decision will lead to the Enterprise's doom. <laughs> but this is the most acting that we've ever seen her do before, too. Like when she, because usually she just sits in her chair and she's like, channels open, channels closed. Mm. Like we actually get to see her be animated and talk to, about something that's not Starship related when she goes down shopping. She's, I mean, that's kind of silly, but. It is a lot of personality. Like she sasses people, she haggles. I don't know. She seems- she spits mad rhymes and punks on Spock with her lyrics. I, it seems like she was having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you talking also- about, Clint? Don't you remember? It was in the first five episodes. There's an. Oh, episode- I thought you were talking about in this episode. Yeah, yeah. No, she sings. yeah, yeah. As you say, she spits mad rhymes and punks Spock. Yeah. Yes, she does sing. <laughs> she also sang to the computer. That's why it, uh, what was it? Uh, Nomad. Yeah, no, oh, I remember she, all that. She music. relearned, yeah, I was going to say, is music? She, she relearned how to speak mm-hmm. and spoke Swahili. Yeah. Did you guys notice that when, uh, like, Spock, Scott, I'm sorry, everyone's going down on shore leave. Mm. Scotty is just sitting there smiling, reading his technical journal yeah. in oh, the mess hall. And Kirk's like, hey, stop doing that. Go down on shore leave. And he's like, this is shore leave for me. He's like, but uh-uh, get out of here. Here's about, here was, is what I thought is he doesn't want to go down to do shore leave because of the murders from last episode. <laughs> now he is so afraid I of women. I forgot about that. He's so he traumatized. So he's like, no, scared. please. Please <laughs> don't make me go on shore leave. Because <laughs> guess what? In that episode, that shit did not get resolved. They started the episode for him to not be afraid of women anymore. So he would go on a date and he ends up killing, in quotes, you know, four women. And then the episode just ends for him. And there's no resolution there. So no fucking shit. He doesn't want to go down to shore leave, Kirk. Let him read his fucking technical novels you there's no there's no counselor troy telling him that he has no reason to think it'll happen again that's a good point i like that that's a great observation Corey. all right so back back to the plot i was gonna say they're in a bar and ohura there's like this merchant and i thought it would be really it's like a very mud character Mm -hmm. hardcore mud type guy and he's like leaning into the bartender and he's like hey i've got some Bickin' flame gems, and he's like, I don't want any of those. And he's <laughs> like, Jeez, <laughs> what about this 
little fuzzy thing and O'Hara's like I th- that's cute and it's like this little fluff and it goes Purr! and then she's like all right I'll buy it uh his name is Kyrano Jones I believe I feel like this is a real prototype for the quirk and quirk spar in mm, DS9 mm-hmm. this that's a good scene yeah like the bartender and like this like fast talking hustler trying to make a dollar like mm-hmm. that feels very quirk my truly my favorite character i guess bartenders are also <laughs> like to deal in other things in in the star trek there's not a lot of of shop space so you gotta really dual purpose your bar what's her butt in tng is not a black market dealer Guinan. Guinan. who knows who knows she's, she's a paragon of bar womanly virtue <laughs> okay but i want to talk about like uhura has money she has credits because she she buys the triple for like eight credits so mm-hmm. do they get paid in starfleet i thought money didn't exist anymore because you'd never see that scene in tng of someone buying something at a market they would just like they take it. but they don't have any money like if like if jordy went to a primitive planet and he's like oh hey that's a nice apple at this bazaar he has no way to procure that apple he would have to steal it. No, they talk about credit. Well, I know too in DS9, Quark has a bar and he's not serving Starfleet officers uh, out of the good of his heart. So there has to be some sort of like a tab system. I wonder this all the time about Quark's bar and how Starfleet people drink at his bar. There, there has to be some sort of currency. I think you're like no, entitled I to like- I always assume, so I always assume that it was like, like company money because they talk about credits. I feel like they talk about credits in TNG and DS9. And I just assumed it was like credits, which like if you have like if you're on a military base, you can have like an on base account and they just charge it to your account and it would come out of your pay. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're not really paying anything. So I assume it works like that, but then you could also exchange it for other money if you wanted to. Maybe the Starfleet officers at Quarks are like what brings people in. Hey, there's people there. They drink for free because they're Starfleet and you can replicate that shit anyway. And then that brings no way Quark would do that. But then that brings the aliens over like the merchants to like, oh, hey, this is a happening spot. I'm going to drink here. And that's what supports Quark's bar is the merchant's coin. We have heard in a previous TOS episode someone said well i'll bet navy beans to credits that blah 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 so i think you might be allowed like you might get access to to navy like, an beans, account right. yeah to navy beans that's it and you have mm-hmm. to bet people and trick them and out that's of their how credits. you get credit so so how i figure it is in this society we have overcome scarcity and so if you just want to hang out at home you're you're provided with shelter um, with food, with replicators, and and things that you can make with replicators, but you can also like go out and make your fortune. Or if you're a Starfleet officer, you might have some sort of like stipend or access to like an account, or maybe you can like replicate gold and trade that to other people. I, I'm not sure. So my idea is that I don't think Starfleet is universal. I think Starfleet is like a un like a unique and like elite unit of rich people and the rest of the world functions in whatever dystopian future hellscape that we are going to inevitably end up in. And so Starfleet has like essentially company script where it's like you have credits 
And if you're part of Starfleet, you know, you've made it, you don't have to worry about expenses. So I don't know, like if you have credits and you spend it in a Starfleet bar, then a beer is two credits or whatever. And you can exchange those credits for dollars to go off world for some, you know, slumming, but your money's like, so if you can get your hands on Starfleet credits, that's like the best money. So Starfleet has quote unquote infinite money because, you know, it's like the American dollar before, like when we were children, where the American dollar had such a great exchange rate that you could mm, just, mm-hmm. you could do whatever you wanted, right? Um, that's kind of what I think the credit is. And within Starfleet systems, it's just like an electronic debit card where they just keep track of it because we're all fancy and elite. Nobody's going to run out of it. See, but I think like at 10 forward in the TNG bar on the Enterprise, you can just get a drink there and it doesn't matter because it's like they can make infinite amount of drinks. So like why pay money for it? But if you go offshore, I think you would get some sort of- Then you would have to pay for it. Yeah. Which which I feel like is good evidence for my idea that Starfleet is a closed society (laughs) and it's an elite ranking and not everybody gets it. So that's why when you're in it, it's like infinite whatever- and then they're like, do you want a replicator? Well, you have to do what we say, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All Regardless, right. we have certainly talked about this for far too long because yes. we were half an hour into the Tribble episode. And we haven't <laughs> talked about the Tribbles yet once. They're little fluff balls. They're okay. I feel like they were a clear um, stand in for cats. Did you guys feel that way? No. Uh uh-uh. uh. Really? Not at all. <laughs> no. Well, you know. They do like, like a trip to Kayleen. There's an old timey saying. Do you know what the trouble with kittens is? No, what? They grow up to be cats. Oh, yeah. I have heard that joke. Yeah. So then the trouble with tribbles, I thought, was a playoff. Of that. <laughs> They're always pregnant. They are. Okay. I I told you this is going to be the podcast about cat facts. Cats can have, they can be sexually mature as young as six months old, and their pregnancies last about two and a half months. Mm, so wow. from birth to one years old, cats can have several litters of kittens. Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah. And then all those cats can. So like when they're like they're born pregnant. I mean, that's basically what cats can be like if they're not spayed and neutered. Mm, interesting. Okay. So. Also, I'm sorry. Just one more thing. <laughs> um, so spaying and neutering was avail- like in- invented in the 1930s, but like it really uh, became promoted in the 70s starting in la so i mean this was of the era and of the um like geographical mm. place where people would have been like bob barker spay and neuter your pets you that's know? what you say so. yeah bob barker um yeah mm-hmm. he said that a lot so spay and neuter your Interesting. pets hey people remember to spay and neuter your tribbles yep and your and, cats and we know that tribbles love quadrotryptocalian so one of them gets into it and starts eating it, and Chekhov's like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> so yeah. And then inciting incident also happens. The Klingons arrive Klingons. at the station, and, and they're, they're here to just, just hang out. Real, real shitty. We're they're just here just to hang out grouchy. and have fun. And uh, Kirk will only allow 12 Klingons on the space station at a time. And what Racist. did he say? Like for every t- like one of your officers, I'm gonna have two of mine watching them. Yeah, some and sort of. He does of the like little. Shit. I'm watching you. But the Cleon captain is Koloth, and his first officer is Korax. 
Did you guys yep. recognize Koloth? Nope. It's Trelane. Oh, is it Trelane? Yeah. Is oh, it? yeah. The same actor? Uh, yes. That's some hot goss, yeah. Corey. That's a good job. That's a good. You're totally right. I now that you say that, I can I can hear it. That voice of his. All right. So you let's love, talk about you two love different Trelane, don't you? Two, two different things going yeah. on at once. The first is that Uhura has brought her triple back to the ship. It is starting to uh, multiply, uh, and everyone just thinks it's the cutest thing ever. The thing you have to know about the tribbles is throughout this entire episode, even when people realize that the tribbles are a threat in in terms of just they're multiplying too much and they're going to take over everything and eat everything, at no point do they ever consider harming them or even putting them down, which is, I, I think, like the nicest touch of the episode. Even when Kirk's like, we have to get rid of these things. He's like always holding one and petting it. So they have some He's sort like, of like you a, cannot shoot them into space. Yeah. He has like a every all the humans have a chemical dependence on these tribbles. They just they love them. And I oh, think yeah. one, of my, uh, Go ahead. one of my favorite moments in the episode is Spock sees all this and he's like, fortunately, I am immune to its effect. And then the camera pans down and you see him petting one as well. I yeah, just, he <laughs> clearly is not. It's so cool. everyone loves these tribbles. Yeah. So. There's a I, lot of tribbles. I just want to say I love that ep- that part too. And he's like getting drawn into it and he's petting it. And then he realizes he's like been hypnotized and he gives it up. Oh, yeah. I had the same thing. I loved it. So these tribbles are multiplying on the ship. They don't really know what's happening, why they're multiplying. The doctor, McCoy, is going to go take one down to his lab. Uh, and he's like, can I go take this down and d- dissect it? And everyone kind of just laughs <laughs> like he's telling a joke. But what if he was like, uh, no, I was really going to, but okay. It's going to cut in half. It, everyone's enchanted with them, except the Klingons. The Klingons are like, get these parasites out of here. Well, it hates they're no, Klingons. They're no Targ. Yeah. Oh, is that what he says? <laughs> no, that's just their attitude. They're just like, ugh, gross. Do we want to talk a little bit about Tribbles and the the qualities of Tribbles? They're cute. McCoy says that 50% of their metabolism is geared towards reproduction. From what he can tell, they're born pregnant. And I think one Tribble has a litter of 10. And yeah, it's just... the average size of their litter. Did you guys also notice uh, what he said about the Tribbles? He said that they were, quote, bisexual. They're bisexual. At will. Yeah. And so... I was like, wait, that's not what bisexual means. <laughs> <laughs> that's got to be the first time that word was ever said on American television. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But I was like, what? That's not That's not what it means. So I think Tribbles are the first uh, LGBTQ <laughs> characters. Tribbles, a gay icon. Yeah. They, oh, I read, the- I read that this was the first episode that the word pregnant was said on an American television show. Really? That's wow. interesting. I could, I could believe that. I believe because, that too. That's crazy. Like they, in I Love Lucy, uh, just a couple years earlier, they wanted to say it, but they had to get censored. So- they changed it to expecting. So oh. yeah, it was it wasn't a word that you said generally. It's crazy. All right. So let's uh let's keep barreling through this episode. Man, we're going through <laughs> it fast. The Klingons, the Klingons, and then the Enterprise are all in the bar together and it's just full of testosterone. Right, yeah. There's a fight that's about to break out. Maybe one reason we're all over the place is because this episode doesn't really have much of a plot to it. But so the Klingons, uh one of them is just really trying to get Chekhov and Scotty's goat by just like trying to bring them into a fight. He's saying things like, Earthers are slugworms. The Enterprise should be hauled away as garbage. Real shitty things to say to someone else. 
And Chekhov wants to keep fighting the Klingon, but Scotty's like, let him be, lad. <laughs> um, and then finally, once this Klingon starts insulting the ship, Scotty jumps up and uh, just starts beating the shit out of this Klingon. I, it's also worth noting that he talks shit about Kirk, and it, that doesn't set, doesn't set. They get angry about it, but that doesn't s- start the fight. Mm-hmm. And then when he starts insulting the Enterprise, that's when the fight starts. So the yeah, fight. Yeah, then he's like, how dare you? Ah! The fight starts and it goes and it keeps going and it keeps going. And it ends with Kirk having everyone who was in the fight like up in a line on the ship. And he's like, who started <laughs> this fight? I got to know. But let me just let me just say between when the Klingon started insulting everybody at the bar to the fight to when Kirk was trying to figure out who did the fight. That was a nine minute sequence. Jeez. That entire thing. Oh, I loved it. It was so funny. It was fine. It just wasn't very interesting. And and the, the tribbles weren't very interesting. So at this point, I was like, why does everybody love this episode? <laughs> oh, the, are you kidding me? The merchant is in there and somehow. OK, so first off, the like bartender is like, oh, no, a fight. And he like scampers away in a very intense dance scamper. And then the trader goes behind the bar and he's just like, yoink. He's yoink, trying to steal like, drinks. <laughs> Yeah. Really, like, sillily drinking. It was so, it was very slapstick. <laughs> Cracked me up. I did like the part, too, because he's making his way through the brawl, trying not to get hit and, like, saving his drink. And then the bartender comes back and takes the drink away. And then he has another he drink in his pocket. He his pocket. Yeah, oh, and he drinks that. Me. That was great. That was I great. genuinely laughed out loud. You guys are it. so easily yeah. amused. The next scene. I loved it. The next scene, we're on the bridge and there's tribbles everywhere, like, but everyone's cool with them. But they're literally everywhere. They're on every single control panel. They're on the floor. Mm, they're on Kirk all the chairs. sits on one by accident. When someone lifts up a, like an, a replicating panel to get some food out, a bunch of tribbles pop out. And this is when they kind of figure out, oh, these tribbles eat a lot. And then that's and then they give birth a lot. So don't feed them is the, <laughs> the thing you're not supposed to. That's, that's what McCoy comes to. He's like, hey, if we just don't feed them, they won't multiply. And it's just funny that they're just like, these <laughs> these triples are such a problem. Well, we got to keep feeding them. Yeah, someone said like, do you know what happens if you keep feeding them? And he goes, oh, a fat triple. And he's like, no, more triples. Mm-hmm. But I think Kirk, like they're in the mess hall and Kirk orders like a chicken sandwich and a coffee. And all he gets is triples. Like there's a triple in his cup. He doesn't have a sandwich, so he's pretty he's pretty upset about it. Yeah. Okay, so then Kirk gets a call from the Starbase. Remember, he's supposed to play security on this grain. Well, the grain is gone. Is that what the problem was? It's being just devoured by the tribbles. So, yeah, so Kirk's not taking any of this seriously. He's like, it's just grain. Uh, your grain's fine. He saunters down to the main grain storage room on the Starbase. He opens the door. And out come like hundreds of tribbles that just cover him. It's a very famous an avalanche. Yeah. Avalanche. Oh, it's hilarious. But then there, I just want to say at this point, Spock thinks there's about 1.7 million tribbles on the station. I mean, that's a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. I wrote 17.9 years in my notes. Does that mean anything to you guys? No. <laughs> no. Um, oh, it's like how long it would take them to like get rid of the triples oh at the very end okay oh yeah Mm -hmm. did something or oh yeah yeah i think it's how long it would take jones to go back and forth and and take every triple and put them back into their their natural habitat yeah 
Well, so so interestingly, there's a part where Spock essentially is making this environmental argument that the the Tribbles have to go back because they're going to be innovation species wherever they go. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't use that, but it's obviously like okay, they are out of their habitat with predators, so they'll just take over, much like cat. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say too, the scene where. Kirk gets avalanched by Tribbles. They had to do that eight times. And they said no he was he was pretty haggard by the eighth time he did it. And I like the they like it was kind of built weird, but they were like throwing Tribbles in the the thing, all the, the little compartment all the time. And I just love Kirk just randomly getting hit by Tribbles. And it uh, I heard William Shatner was like super annoyed. And he's like, when are they gonna stop throwing Tribbles at me? So that's hilarious. I like that too. I definitely like you get the sense that it's not a smooth mechanism for how the tribbles fell on him. Yeah. And he does like super beleaguered. It's it I found it genuinely hilarious. I was just gonna say to advance the plot a little bit, like pretty soon after he's buried in them, he's like, Wow, almost all of them are dead. And I know. Like, oh my god, you're just pit deep in dead tribbles, and then it's just like <laughs> disgust, like it's not funny anymore. I'm like, ew, rotting corpses of tiny animals disgusting <laughs> I thought but, that was crazy. but the question is who put the tribbles in the grain someone wanted to sabotage the starbase's grain supply so no one could have it who was it was it the klingons it was the klingons but they didn't well, the, but not in the way that you expect the yeah. tribbles are the hero because mm-hmm. they detected that the klingons who have a mole had poisoned the quadratriticale Wow, what a twist. Yeah, and the the Tribbles discovered the game that is afoot. They sacrificed their lives. They sacrificed their lives for Starfleet's glory. Mm -hmm. And the person that did all this bad stuff, like poisoning the grain, it was... the fussy bureaucrat. Well, yeah, it was a Klingon just like a human because Klingons look exactly like humans at this time. It was, though, it wasn't wasn't Barris. It was was Arne... Darville, yeah, he was the aide to that yeah. guy, and he brought shame to our culture. Well, and they found out too because anytime a Tribble comes near Klingon in this episode, it gets angry and trills at them very aggressively. And then, uh, yeah, and they brought it by Dar- Darvin, and was like, they're like, yeah, the Tribbles are racist. So they have all these Tribbles. They have all these tribbles on the sh- on the station, and it's the merchant that brought them. He his punishment. He brought the one, the 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 alpha tribble. So his job is to clear all the tribbles off of the starbase. Tribble zero, if you will. Tribble zero, yeah. yes. And that's going to take him eighteen years, I guess. I don't know if like he has. Well, to Well, then that. they had a joke of like you could go to some sort of jail for eighteen and a half, like twenty years, and he's like twenty years, no, and they're like or. Your punishment could just be returning the Tribbles to their natural habitat. And that's where Kirk's 17.9 years is. Mm, bazam. So his uh, Sisyphean task is to remove Tribbles off of a starbase for probably the rest of his life because he was like a middle-aged man. Yeah. Then we have the problem Knee of all- deep in kittens. We have the problem of all the Tribbles on the Enterprise because there's a lot there too. But when Kirk gets back up to the ship, guess what? All those Tribbles, are, they're, they're just dang gone. They're not there anymore. What happened to them, Corey? So it's really fucked up, actually. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. You, I thought you were going to go, what happened to them, Emily? Oh, what happened to them, Emily? 
Oh, I don't I don't know. Clint, what happened to them? Oh, I think okay. you did something, right? I don't know. What happened to them, Corey? Okay, okay I'm going to I'm going to tell you guys. Okay, so <laughs> the you, you Kirk is afraid that they had transported all the triples out into the cold darkness of space because remember, Which he still would have loves been them. inhumane. Yeah, he loves the triples. He doesn't mm. want them to get hurt. But no, it's all okay. They transported all the triples to the Klingon ships and then they all share a laugh. And the episode ends. So let's fucking talk about that. Okay. Yeah, so I you... said it just ends with casual animal and other cultural cruelty. <laughs> so the Klingons now have all of these tribbles. They, I mean, okay. So first of all, the Federation has broken a couple of laws. I'm sure they have transported a uh, an uncertified uh, ev- invasive species to another ship, which I'm sure is a huge deal. The Klingons, the Tribbles hate the Klingons. So, you know, the first goddamn thing that the Klingons are going to do is they're going to like go to the nearest sun and just shoot them all into the sun. So <laughs> it's like wanting to shoot someone with a gun, but not wanting to do it. So you give your gun to like a crazy person and then that <laughs> crazy person and you're like, haha, wasn't me. So I was, I, I actually, after we watched this episode, I started doing some fan fiction and it's called the Tribble Wars, because the Klingons are not going to let this go as a stupid practical joke. Yeah, no, I mean, there's no, re- like, it makes sense why the Klingons hate the uh, Federation and the reboot in yeah. TNG, because of shit like this. And I don't, I'm not going to read you guys the entire uh, Tribble Wars book that I wrote, but the first the first sentence is, it was a thousand years into the Tribble Wars, and no <laughs> end was in sight. Because you could use these perpetually. Keep, you could just, you get rid of phasers, you get rid of shields, you don't need that shit anymore. You just, your job is to send tribbles to other planets and to other ships, and the tribbles will destroy eat the entire food source of that civilization or that crew. That is the ultimate goddamn weapon. Like rabbits. Wow. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. It's the tribble wars. It's mm. going to be at Barnes & Noble in uh, 2023. I'm very excited nice. about it. Nice. Wow, that's a really, really fast turnaround. Just like a cat pregnancy. Um, they do also have a short that takes place. It's like a discovery related one. But do you guys know John Benjamin? No. H. He's John Benjamin. H. John Benjamin. He's the voice actor oh, yeah, yeah. who does oh. Bob's Burgers. And yeah, Archer. yeah. I know that guy. Yeah. So it's it's with him and he's like researching Tribbles as a food source. <laughs> and there's antics and whatnot. I wonder so. if that they'd be like guinea pig. Guinea pigs don't have a lot of meat, but you know, yeah. they're kind of tribal like. Can we review this episode? Because I want to yeah, hear what, do it. what you guys think. All right. Well, Emily already gave us her thoughts on it. So, Emily, two why thumbs don't up. you can. Thum- I thought it was. Two thumbs up. Wow. Two tribbles way up. I thought it was fun. I thought the characters were true to type. Um, I liked that the A plot and B plot resolved together, like they knit together in the end. I thought you got a lot of the main crew. Yeah, no, no real complaint. I liked it. Wow. This episode broke our rating system. Usually it's just thumbs up, down or middle. It's two thumbs up. We are now in official uh, Robert and Ebert territory. Wait, wait. Oh, no. All of a sudden there's four thumbs. Six thumbs. What's happening? Oh, Why no. are my thumbs multiplying Wait, this, like this? Does this thumb way affect the scores of the previous episode? So like even my one thumb of an episode I liked is now like a 50%. Yeah, like it. Like, I think so. I think I think I think you're right. You give the thumbs that you give, Corey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am with Emily. Two thumbs up. I loved this episode. I 
I've seen this episode in isolation before, as in I've watched this just the, this episode, not yeah, the whole run. Well, I've watched TOS, not really paying attention to it or like criticizing it as much. I've seen this episode. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. But watching this episode in context of all other original series stuff, it's really, really good. I and I know some people don't think it's as serious as it should be, but yeah, I just thought it was really funny. It, I mean, the characters were a little bit cartoonish. They were kind of caricatures of themselves a bit, but I did like how we got all the all the characters, all our main characters except for Sulu. They were all firing on all cylinders. Spock was great. Kirk was a you know swaggering asshole. Himself. Yeah, McCoy was was not annoying for once. It was it was just great. It was yeah, it was like interesting kind of. I mean, it did slow down for the fight a little bit, but yeah, it had an A and B plot. I just thought it was a it was an awesome episode. Corey, I a, a while ago, Clint, you asked like if if we had to tell someone to watch like one episode of Star Trek, what would it be? And I don't even remember what I picked. But as soon as I finished this episode, I was like, this this mm-hmm. is the one I would be like if someone was like, should I watch TOS? I'd be like, watch this episode. If you watch no others. Corey, what did you think about this episode? A line from this episode uh, that I think sums it up is when someone says, the safety of the grain and the Federation depends on you. (laughs) So an episode that's just as silly as this that I I like is Shore Leave because Mm -hmm. they're having an adventure on a planet and there's a lot of different things that go on. Um, and it's, it's pretty silly, but the reason it's silly is because the planet is programmed to be that way. So there's kind of like an in script episode for, for why it's so weird down there and why there's so many hijinks. This episode is silly because everyone just decided to be silly. And I just think it breaks way too many walls. It's like Gene, it was Gene versus Gene. And if you get, if you get way the scale down too much on one side, you get one of those really boring Charlie X episodes where it's all Mm -hmm. about what is it like to be a human? And then if you go on the other side too much, you get one of these, uh, which is just way, just way too, it was just so, it was dumb and it was, it was trying really hard to be funny. L- guys, we talked about a bunch of other shit in this episode because nothing else happens. Like there's a fight with the Klingons. It takes nine minutes. There's uh, these, these tribbles that they slowly tease out are taking over the ship and then they get rid of them by transporting them off another planet like this, this or into another ship. It's just, it's written so dumb i just i couldn't keep up with it it was way too fantastical it wasn't the star trek that i want to see so i'm gonna give this two thumbs down no oh. i'm not gonna give it no i'm not gonna give it two thumbs down it's a thumb in the middle like it's fine but okay. one last thing i'll say is that a lot of people i was reading who worked on this episode were like we thought it was really stupid and we hated it but then when it became popular i guess we had to kind of like okay i guess it's not that bad but even like when people were making this episode they knew that it was like it's like they were filming a different show almost. Like no one's mm. acting like they normally do. So thumb in the middle. Didn't like it. Let me see. William Shatner said the Troubles Tribbles was trying to have, keep a straight face this entire episode because they were just like, this is so dumb and it was so corny. But I still liked it. This is definitely Star Trek TOS at its silliest. I think this is yeah. this is definitely like the silliest it's ever going to get. I think some of what I enjoyed about it is that the humor and the silly corniness is the same like some of bones being a dick i feel like is him making a joke that feels dated to us now Mm -hmm. like it just feels like he's being rude and i think this was fun because 
the bits that I recognize as jokes are still the same level of silliness. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the silliest episode, and I do like it. I do kind of like TOS when it gets a little bit sillier, like when we saw with the witch episode or, you know. Oh, the, yeah, I love the witch. The the killer fart episode I thought was funny. <laughs> and listen, you can be silly, but it was just a really weak script, too, and mm. that's what brought it down for me. It wasn't an interesting mm. plot. I don't I just it just felt like it worked. I don't know why. I just felt like it was so fun. and So I like where the things like wrap together. Like mm-hmm. on shore leave, I have come, I feel like in that, when we reviewed that episode, I judged it really harshly and I have come to like the idea of it more. But I still am just like, Sulu finds a gun and it doesn't matter. Like there's Alice in Wonderland at the beginning and that doesn't matter. Like there's just, they're just throwing more and more weird elements whereas here every element that gets brought in is part of like the wrap-up at the end okay but uh, let me say i find very satisfying with shore leave i felt like when they did the gun reveal and the rabbit they were they thought that those were going to be cool mysterious things it's not like they were trying to be like (laughs) tim and eric were like what the fuck is this gun doing like they thought that that was cool in Uh this episode they tried so hard to just be funny everywhere like shore leave they legitimately thought a rock slowly revealing a pistol was awesome but it's just so corny to us today yeah but like to me i don't want i don't want more elements i don't want more and more and more things i want you to like be able to have two or three things and like follow them through Mm -hmm. like this has been the issue that i've had continuously when they try to do like a mystery they just throw so much stuff in there that I'm like, well, you didn't tell the story of the mystery accurately or you like drop threads partway through. And so like to me, this is what I like is where everything gets resolved. The tribbles get resolved. The clans get resolved. All of these things get wrapped up together. I, I find that I found this such a satisfying episode. I think you're right, Emily. Like there are a lot of like setups and payoffs and everything kind of comes together. These strands come together at the end and and form a nice little rope i think and also another thing i like about this episode is a lot of episodes you it's like 90 percent kirk right you just fall yeah. around kirk and spock the whole time and then you get a little bit of ohura or a little bit of checkoff or maybe like a lot of checkoff if he's hanging out with kirk the whole time but this one jumped around a lot so you had like 50 percent kirk and 10 percent scotty and 10 percent Chekhov and a little Uhura. So I think it was kind of diluted a little bit more and it was a bit more of an ensemble. And so I felt like it was just a little bit smoother and you kind of got to follow different characters throughout this episode. So I think it was yeah. just a really nice mix. It also didn't do the thing that drives me nuts where it's like ensemble until the very end and then spot or Kirk has to show up and be the smartest man ever and like solve it. And I'm like, couldn't you just do that some other way. I wanted to talk about Gene Runberry's reaction to it and how it did how Gene Coons. I think this I don't know if it like started it, but it it like deepened the rift between the two cuz Gene Runberry really wanted this to be a very serious show that really tackled, you know, the questions of humanity and where we're heading and how we can work together. And Coons added a, a fun element. And so I think this just kind of like deepened the chasm between the two. And then they say the disagreements between Ronberry and Coon of, of the tone. Like Coon left in, in the mid season of, of season two. 
-hmm. left in the middle of that season. So I probably it's like, uh, you know, in three or four episodes, he'll probably not be involved in the show anymore. Yeah. I mean, I have been listening to a book that talks about this and they are kind of like, well, they remain friends until like Kuhn only died like not long after this. I want to say like a handful of years. And so they're like, well, he was like overworked and coming down with cancer and blah, 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 blah. Uh, But I think that I definitely think there's some ego tripping in this. And like the more that I like read Hot Goss, the more that I think there's this tendency to be like Roddenberry was a genius, but he also sounds like kind of a megalomaniac and like very much was like, this is the way it is. And then he would get these brilliant people working with him and then like almost undercut them in a way like Kuhn definitely I think is bringing like so many things um, to the show and then sort of like it's not serious enough or you're not getting the tone and I, I don't know I think Gene Roddenberry seems like a good guy but also perhaps not a very collaborative person like he doesn't seem like someone who's willing to um compromise on what he thought of star trek should be Mm -hmm. kind of a control freak is is what you're you're working yeah and like when you think of a lot of the things so like dean kuhn came up with i said the klingons the organian peace treaty the prime directive the name of starfleet command the united federation of planets um so he's like developing these characters he's he's credited with so many things that are so strongly associated with star trek and so like emblematic of it zephram cochran i almost said cochran (laughs) i mean things like that are are all coon not ron murray and it kind of feels like being a control freak might have thrown some of the baby out with the bathwater for roddenberry with it Mm -hmm. I will not sit here and listen to you to malign Gene Roddenberry all of a sudden because you love Gene Kuhn's stupid fucking episode so much that now Roddenberry is the bad guy. I'm on Team Gene. I'm not ashamed of it. (laughs) They're both Gene. I'm on Team Gene, but opposite you. Well, guess what? In the the Tribble Wars, there were two factions, they say. (laughs) Oh, my God. The Coons. Is it Coons or Coons? Coons. Like a raccoon. Thanks, everyone, for listening. That's our episode for today. Um, we also want to thank our editor, Kurt, for putting up with us. Oh, you're not a producer anymore. You got demoted. Yeah, you got Sorry, demoted. Bud. I know I got called out on it, so I can't say it now. He's not our boss. So thank you, everyone. And until we see you next time, keep on trekking. <laughs> <laughs>